We are living in a world of rapid change, a world of mounting complexity, a world full of information, but very few answers. Let's face it, it can feel complicated. And the more complex issues appear, the more difficult it is to find our way. But what if the answers we seek aren't as complicated as we think? What if I told you God is not a God of confusion, but a God of clarity? What if instead of pushing forward without direction, we return to the foundation that God created for us? What if we decided to reject the confusion our world is presenting to us? What if we decided to get back to basics? Well, good morning once again, Bell Shoals family. My name is Corey Abney, and I serve as a lead pastor here. I want to welcome once again those of you with us here at our branding campus and all of you who are joining us online here in West Central Florida, all across the country and even places around the world. So grateful to have you connecting with us today as we continue in our series called Back to Basics, where we're walking through some foundational issues related to life and family. And we've talked about the role of men and the role of women. We've talked about uh, how to meet the needs of our spouses in the context of marriage. Last week, we talked about God's design for intimacy. And today, <laughs> we're going to take a little bit of a break. We're not going to talk about something quite as difficult as uh, what we tackled last week and the previous weeks. Today, <laughs> a little simpler, a little easier, we're going to talk about parenting. Um, should be pretty easy, pretty straightforward, I think. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my wife and I have three children that we love dearly, and we have another one. Uh, so we have four total, and if you've never met my children, let me show you a picture of them from uh, a few years ago. This is actually several years ago now. Uh, these are our four babies. And this picture right here, this is why I show it to you. This is my Facebook family. Okay, this picture right here was tailor-made for social media. But that's not my real family. Let me show you my real family. Let me show you my youngest daughter about a year before that picture was taken. When we had another set of family photos taken, we said, hey, sweetheart, smile. Smile. Come on, honey, smile. And you all know how this works, right? You have special outfits, you hire a photographer, you go to a unique place, you spend hours. And for those of you who did not know my daughter during this season of her demon possession, okay, this was as close to a smile as we got that day. And if you're wondering what's going through her mind, I know what's going through her mind. Come on over here and make me smile. That's what's going through her mind. That's as close as we got to a smile. That's my real family. Let me show you a picture from the first time I took my kids to the Walt Disney World. <laughs> oh, the most magical place on earth, you say. No, it's not. I dropped $50,000 to take my kids to Disney for one day, and this is what I got. And let me tell you the bad thing about Disney, all right? There's no place for you to go to like customer service toward the end of the day and get a rain check. 
Okay, there's no, like you can't go and be like, hey, listen, my kid got possessed by a demon today. Can we come back another day, please? I beg you. They don't be like, oh, actually, sir, you're in luck. We have an exorcism room right over here. You can just take your kids through that. It plays, it's a small world after all as you're walking through it. And we will exercise the demons and you can enjoy your day. Or they don't say, oh, sir, no problem. Wait in line. There's a long line of parents who had kids who were demon possessed. Here's your refund and a ticket for another day to come back. You don't get that. All you get is sacrificing your financial future so your kids can be miserable. So you can tell all your friends that you went to the most magical place on earth. That's my real family. <laughs> that is the real world, right? We all see each other's Facebook families. I got news for you. Uh, our Facebook families are not our real families. <laughs> because parenting is the hardest job in the world. And it's worth it. It's one of the greatest privileges of the world. Obviously, what a, what a joy to be able to raise children, but man, can it be difficult. If you're new to parenting, let me just give you a couple of reasons that my wife and I have found it to be so difficult over the years. First of all, you don't get any PTO. <laughs> There's no paid time off, okay? I mean, it is on 24-7, and you feel the weight of that when your kids are little because it's so physically demanding, okay? Um, kids sometimes come home from the hospital with things like colic. And they can get their days and nights mixed up and they may be strong-willed during the toddler years and you just don't ever get any paid time off. Another challenge of parenting is it's like farming. You, you make a lot of investment. Man, you have a lot of daily responsibilities and daily investment, but the payoff isn't for years and years and years down the road. And that can be discouraging because like, you know, when you're three years in, you're like, oh man, if I can just get through this stage. And then, you know, you get through elementary school, which can be a really sweet season, but that's just, you know, <laughs> that's just preparatory for the teenage years and puberty. And then you're like, okay, why did I do this to myself? And if I can just get to the next stage and season. And so it's just a long journey. You know, 18, 20, 22 years is a long time. And, and you're investing heavily in your kids. And day after day after day, it just feels like maybe that reward's never going to come. It will, but it's delayed. It's like farming, right? Harvest season is not months down the road. It's years down the road. And then lastly, one of the, I think, most acute challenges of parenting is as your kids get older, the stakes get higher and there's more of a drain on your emotional, relational, spiritual self than there is the physical, right? You're sleeping through the night, but you're worried about things now related to who your kids are gonna be friend and who they're gonna listen to as their identity shifts from parent to peer. And they're making decisions that could impact them for the rest of their lives. And the gravity of that is heavy. And so in a sense, you're more physically rested, but you're more emotionally, spiritually fatigued. And so, you know, it's a long journey, it's a long road to get from pregnancy, birth, to launch, when we launch those arrows out that the Lord has entrusted to us, but it's worth it. And today I just wanna share some practical 
scriptures with you, just some things from, from God's word that I hope will encourage you. And if you're a parent, obviously this is in your lane where you live. If you are a grandparent, maybe you can encourage your children uh, with some of these truths. Or if you're not yet a parent, hey, listen, um, the sooner you can get some of these things down, the better, because uh, parenting is the hardest job in the world. The, the, the first place I want to take you to is Ephesians chapter 6, a well-known Scripture, if, if you have been around Christianity, you've been around the Bible a little bit, this is just a real practical word, both to children and parents. And I want to say a brief word to kids today, and, and then uh, mostly just give you some practical takeaways about parenting. But let me show you what the Apostle Paul said. Again, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, hey, this is God writing really ultimately to us. Here's what the Scripture says. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, and this is the right thing to do. Remember I told you we were talking about the roles of husbands and wives, that this word obey is different from the word that is, is better understood to defer in terms of the wife's role to the husband. Like this word obey is obey. This is the role of the child in the home to obey the parents that the Lord has entrusted to the child. This is the right thing to do. Let me just say briefly here, kids, listen, your parents love you more than you can ever imagine right now. They have your best interests in mind. They see things right now that you don't see. They see things you can't see. And the importance of obedience can be life-saving and certainly life-giving. And so obey here is critical because ultimately Paul helps us understand that children, when you obey your parents, you're obeying the Lord. And then verse 2, this really applies to all of us. Honor your father and mother, for this is the first commandment with a promise. Really, all of us have a responsibility to honor our parents. In the original language, you go back to the Old Testament and the Ten Commandments, the word honor literally means to give them weight, to ascribe to them a value, a worth that last a lifetime. It's as if you have two gold bars and you're measuring, evaluating which one's worth more. Well, the one that weighs more is worth more. And, and that word honor there literally means to give them weight. It means heavy. It, it has the idea of you, you ascribe value, worth, significance to your parents because they are deserving of that all the days of your life. Honor them. It comes with a promise, right? Verse 3, for if you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have a long life on the earth. And so it's a really good word, reminder to all of us, especially those of you who are in your parents' home or you're in your parents' proximity. You obey them in those early days. You obey the Lord by obeying your parents. You, you, you by faith walk and live in such a way that you trust your parents' will is best for you. They know what's best for you. They're leading you toward what's best. And then ultimately, always, we honor. We give weight. We, we give honor to our parents for all that they have done. And by the way, that gets easier the longer you live because the longer you live and when you raise children of your own, you begin to understand all that your parents have done in sacrificing for you. You honor. And then Paul gives us a word about parenting. And, and he says this, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way that you treat them. Parenting is stressful, right? Kids have a way of um, getting under our skin. So don't anger them, don't provoke them to anger. But here's the key for all of us. Look at the latter part of verse four, bring them up, this is huge now, with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Now here's why I hone in on that last 
part of verse four. For this simple takeaway, if you're taking notes, write this down, okay? Effective parenting is established on the pillars of formative instruction and corrective discipline. Really, as I think about parenting my children that the Lord's entrusted to me, parenting is really built, my parenting is built on two pillars, okay? Formative instruction, corrective discipline. Here's how you ought to think of it, teaching and training. The word discipline there in Ephesians 6 is actually the word for training. Okay, so, so we want to think of, okay, with our kids, all the years that we have them in our homes, okay, here's what it looks like. We, we've got to develop a healthy routine of teaching and training, teaching and training, teaching and training. This is the ebb and the flow. This is the back and the forth. This is what's so imperative for our children, that we cultivate a healthy routine of teaching and we cultivate a healthy routine of training, right? And both of these are important because, hear me now, our children need both a steady diet of negative reinforcement and positive reinforcement. If you only negative reinforce through training and discipline without positively reinforcing through teaching and encouraging, you will provoke your children to anger. If you only always affirm your children and encourage them and teach them without ever training them, please do not drop them off in our kids' ministry area. <laughs> right, no, no, that's equally as devastating to the child because you're necessarily going to reinforce some behaviors and patterns that are harmful to them. So, so good parenting, right, combines both positive reinforcement and negative reinforcement, teaching and training, instruction and discipline. We need both because one of the ways we frustrate our kids is either by over-disciplining and under-encouraging or under-disciplining and over-encouraging. Our children need a steady balance of both. Okay, so let me just show you briefly here what this looks like, okay? And I speak to you as a parent who is not a perfect parent, but thankfully we have a perfect word from a perfect Savior. Okay, that's what I'm leaning into today. So, so first of all, I want you to see that formative instruction is consistent and continual. And I just want to encourage those of you who are parents in this. Man, it's ongoing. It's, the goal is consistency and to do this on a continual basis. Formative instruction, here's what the scripture teaches us, happens in everyday life. This isn't like I gotta sit down every single day, like with Mike, okay, I gotta have like a teaching time every single day. Well, really what happens with our children in terms of instructing them, teaching them, is something that happens in everyday life. It's true that more is caught than taught, right? Just the way that you live your life, the way that you interact with them matters. And then let me take you back to Deuteronomy 6 and show you how this is to be fleshed out literally in all the things that you just naturally do. We're thinking about instructing them consistently, continually. Okay, Deuteronomy 6 says this, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your strength, and you must commit yourself wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. So in other words, parents, you and I have the responsibility and the privilege of knowing the Lord, walking with the Lord, leaning into the Lord, like, like who we are and what we believe matters. Our kids are going to pick up on that. Okay, but then notice here is the instruction piece. Consistency, 
continually doing it, repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them. I love the practical nature of this. Just talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. You see, the idea here is that we embrace godly values. We embrace saving faith. We embrace the goodness of God in our lives. Our kids see that. More is caught than taught. But then as we're teaching them, we're reinforcing just in everyday life the things that matter most. And the importance of this, listen to me very, very carefully, parents, is that our culture is not neutral toward your children. And we believe here at Bell Shoals, both in our church and our academy, that parents are the primary faith leaders of their children. And we don't try to usurp your role on, on, on the church side or on our academy side. We believe that the best thing we can do is come alongside of you, help you win as parents. We don't have agendas in our academy. We teach math and science. We provide a spiritual foundation to come alongside of you. We're not trying to replace you. Here on the church side with our ministry, we're just trying to help you win, to encourage you, to pray for you, to be in the trenches with you, right? Listen, I have been through family child dedication four times. And I love my dude. Did you notice my dude, one of my favorite kids today, like, like he's like, okay, I just need to get down, right? And here's how kids think, because they are evil, evil creatures, okay? They think, well, I'm going to fool mom and dad. I'm just going to come down and stand. No, it's going to be. <laughs> oh, if I can just get to the stairs, I'm out of here. Right? Did you all notice that? That was my dude right there. That was my dude. Oh, heck yeah, man. I've lived that. I've lived that nightmare a thousand times, right? You think the best in your little kids. No, they're not thinking the best, okay? They're trying to fool you, deceive you. They're trying to leave you. Okay, man, it's hard. It's hard. Been, through, been there. And we live in a world where it's uh, difficult to raise a child. There's all these influences, right? There are all these things coming at them. Here's the thing. Our culture's not neutral toward our kids. And even though they may be resistant at times, they need the consistent, continual teaching that comes from mom and dad. They need it. So let me encourage you with Deuteronomy 6 here, just going to make some practical takeaways, right? First of all, let me encourage you, make the most of mealtime. Make the most of mealtime. Studies have confirmed this. I could cite numerous studies I've read over the years that talk about the importance of the family meal. And uh, I've told you all this before. If you're new to Bell Shoals and you don't know me, I'll just tell you my kids have been involved in a number of activities. Um, my kids have played sports at a high level. They've been involved in other extracurricular activities. We've traveled the country with them. We've done everything a normal family does, okay? And uh, there have been a lot of nights where my son had a golf tournament and my daughter had a volleyball game and my other son had something else and my other daughter. And, you know, it's a little bit of divide and conquer. But let me tell you what we've done. Just we try to do this consistently and we have. Okay, maybe not every night, depending on where some activities were happening. But I tell you, by and large, almost every night we have dinner together as a family. And if it's got to be at Chipotle or Chick-fil-A or wherever, you know, like, fine. Or, you know, just to be honest with you, there's some nights we don't eat dinner until 8.30 or 9 o'clock at night. Now, that's not my preference as an old man. <laughs> All right? <laughs> like, that's getting close to my bedtime, Right? Like, that's about the time I won't be sitting down having some ice cream. You know what I mean? But 
you know, like that's just kind of the ebb and flow sometimes of these seasons in life. But we prioritize as a family, we're going we're gonna to have dinner together, either early or late. There's been some days we've had dinner at 4.30. But, um, man, we're going to have, we're going to be together. We're going to, as best we can, again, it's not every night, but most nights we're, we're going to be together. And you know what happens at mealtime? Mealtime is one of my favorite times of the day because my kids just make funny jokes and they make fun of each other and they talk about their day. And it's funny because, you know, when you have multiple kids, it's, you begin to hear things as a parent with your kids talking to each other. And they talk to each other in ways they don't necessarily talk to you. And so sometimes we just sit back, my wife and I, and we're like giving each other the eye, like we're writing this stuff down, you know what I mean? Like if it were just, you know, one-on-one. And so let me just encourage you, okay? You got to make the most of mealtime. Your kids may not realize they need that time, they need that time. Secondly, make the most of car time. My wife and I have found that when your kids are imprisoned inside of a moving vehicle... It can be a very, very productive time. And um, man, my wife, you know, taking my son to school every morning. I mean, she's talking about what she's learning in the Bible and she's talking about things that's happening in life and the world. And man, car time can be a very valuable time. Let me tell you some of the favorite memories I have with some of my kids are long car trips to different tournaments they've been involved with. And we just have the best time, you know. I miss those days, frankly. Um, and, and, and we have these beautiful little prisons called vehicles. And, you know, from time to time, that can be very productive. Okay, third, make the most of teachable moments. You know, your kids are going to have what we call milestone moments. You know, they get their driver's license or they're going to homecoming for the first time. Or, you know, there's milestone moments and there's teachable moments. Something happens and we try to lean in there. Typically your kids will be more receptive during those moments when something has happened to provoke some emotion. And, um, and, and then just remember, last thing here in terms of teaching, just remember, I just want to encourage those of you who are in this season, okay. Your kids are picking up more than they're speaking up. Your kids are picking up more than they're speaking up. And if you're like my family, okay, not your Facebook family, okay, your real family, all right, when you, you pick up your, your child from school this week, you're like, okay, car time, make the most of car time. And here's how it's going to go, because this is how it's going to go for me. Oh, man, hey, how was your day? Good. How was practice? Fine. How was your uh, chemistry exam? Good. Are you hungry? You want a snack? No. Do you have any brain activity whatsoever? Yes. Are you going to be like this for the rest of your life? Probably. Right? <laughs> all right. I mean, listen, don't, don't, don't leave here thinking, all right, I'm going to make the most of mealtime, car time. And like, it's just all of a sudden, right? Like immediately it's just going to be this flood of dialogue. But what happens is, here's what the scripture says, bring them up in the instruction of the Lord. And as you're talking with them, you're teaching them, you're making the most of these teachable moments, milestone moments, you are asking questions, you are talking about, well, hey, while you're sitting there with one word answers, can I just tell you about something I, I, I learned today, something I was thinking about today. Here's, what's, here's the goal, here's what's gonna happen. When, when, when their minds click back on after the teenage years, 
they're going to start saying things in their 20s that directly reflect what they heard you say in their teenage years. And you're gonna have this wild experience where you're like looking at your spouse, where did that come from? (laughs) And it's gonna hit you. They were listening. They were observing. I mean, they did pick up some things I didn't know they picked up. That's why, you know, that famous quote, one of my favorite quotes, it's, it's attributed to Mark Twain. I honestly don't know if he said it or not, but it's a good quote. When I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant, I could hardly stand to have the old man around. But when I got to be 21, I was astonished at how much the old man had learned in seven years. <laughs> yeah, and that's, that's true. So I just want to encourage you, man, those of you in that season with your kids, All right, formative instruction is consistent, it's continual. There's gonna be days you don't think they're listening, days you don't think they're getting it, days you don't think they care, but there's power in the word of God. And there is power in the spirit of God. And as you're teaching and you're instructing and you're encouraging, right? And you're talking and you're sharing, God's God's working in that. And um, our prayer is that when it comes harvest time and our kids are adults and they begin to formulate lives for themselves, that the truth they've been hearing for 18, 20 years begins to resurface. And, and so often that's what happens. So hang in there. Do not grow weary in well-doing. Our kids need formative instruction. Okay, secondly, they need corrective discipline. So let me show you what corrective discipline is all about in God's word. Okay, this is God's design. Corrective discipline is redeeming and it is reassuring. All right, this idea of training. Again, the original language in the, the word is training. Here's what I mean by that. The word is not punishment. It's not punishment in anger. It's not something to, that would lead to the type of fear in your children to where they question the relationship. No, it's the type of discipline, it's the type of training that's reassuring. There's never any question about it, right? It's redemptive, it's redeeming. You're trying to restore a relationship, right? That's been broken. And, and this word is used in 2 Timothy 3.16 of God's word. Same word that's used in 2 Timothy 3, let me show it to you here, is used in Ephesians 6.4. All scripture is inspired by God and is pro profitable for teaching, rebuking, for correcting, and for training in righteousness. Same word. So discipline is about training. It's not about punishment, right? It's not something that is driven by anger, motivated by anger. No, it's something that's motivated by a restoring of a broken relationship and the reassuring that your children are yours. Because, listen to me, you are the only one that has the right to discipline or train your child. There is something should be reassuring in this discipline, right? That like no one else has that privilege. Like no one else can walk around disciplining my children. They don't have that right. And so it's something that should be redeeming and reassuring and and something that should make your children better, right? You see, discipline makes them better. Punishment makes them bitter, right? Discipline is rooted in love. Punishment's rooted in anger. And and therefore the goal is redeeming and reassuring. I just want to clarify that because there's various ways we can discipline our children, but the goal is always that it's corrective, redeeming, and reassuring, okay? 
Here's what Proverbs 19, 18 says. Discipline your children while there is still hope. <laughs> the younger, the better, right? You, you start with a healthy pattern. None of us are perfect. We're talking about patterns here. A healthy pattern. Discipline them while there's hope. Otherwise, you will ruin their lives. <laughs> right? Like, our culture seems to be discipline averse. That's a bad strategy for raising godly children. Our children need training. Think of it as training. Any good coach that's coaching a good team has a healthy combination of instruction and discipline. Teaching the game, right? Teaching the plays, but also training the players to execute. So discipline's like training. Our kids need it, and they need it when they're young. They need to know the parameters. They need to know the guardrails. I know so many in our culture think that, you know, if we just over-encourage and we under-discipline, that our kids will be happier. Let me tell you from experience, your kids are more miserable when they are allowed to lean into the full vent of their brokenness. It makes them miserable, not happy. What makes them happy is to know that they're operating within the parameters that God has made them. And they need it, this discipline, this training in love, right, for a few reasons. First of all, remember, what gets rewarded gets repeated. And you can reward something through inaction as much as you can direct action. What gets rewarded gets repeated. Secondly, remember, your children will adjust to what's tolerated, not what's communicated. You can say all day long, this is the rule, if you don't ever enforce it, your kids will figure out very, very quickly where the line actually is. It's not about what's communicated, it's about what's tolerated. Okay, third, remember, this is one of the ways we exasperate our children. As they get older, here's the goal. We move them in the training, in the discipline, from rules to reason to relationship. In other words, here's what I mean. Those of you with three-year-olds... Stop wasting your energy on explaining reason to a toddler. You know what a toddler needs? A rule. All right? And I know you want to, you know, treat your child like a young adult. They're not a young adult at three. Okay, buddy, let me explain to you why you should not put your hand on this stove. No, just make the rule. Johnny just needs a rule at three years old. But if you're raising a 13-year-old like a three-year-old, you will exasperate your teenager. Because I said so is not typically a good response to a teenager. They need a reason. They're thinking on their own. You need to, you need to, they, they may not agree or they may not understand, but, but we're moving our children from rules to reason. Let me explain to you why this is so important. And here's what I've told my children over the years, so that if you disagree, you can disagree with me on principle. And when you have children of your own one day, you can do it however you want to do it, but I'm very confident you're going to do it the way I'm doing it. And then ultimately when our kids are adults, we want to see an obedience that's rooted in relationship. Because you know what? That's how our Heavenly Father wants to relate to us. You see, God takes no delight in his children obeying him just because the Ten Commandments say so. That's legalism. You know what God has done through Jesus? He is so 
communicated his love for us, that the relationship he's established through the grace of Christ is to be one that produces fruit in us, not because of a rule that says we have to, but because the love we have for our Father that says we get to. And the highest level of obedience is not a rule-based obedience or a reason-based obedience. It's a relationship-based obedience. And that's where we want to prog progress our kids. And so, so this is the pattern. Let me say just one more thing here about discipline, okay? Whatever you're leaning into, like with helps, like with, you know, books you're reading or, or different forms of training you're getting, hey, let me just encourage you this. Remember, there are no absolutes when it comes to this stuff. God's word is an absolute, but I'm talking about in terms of the, some of the training, okay? My, 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 my wife and I read Growing Kids God's Way when we were little. And like, man, like our first child, this is it. Like if we don't want to ruin her, destroy her soul, this is the way we're going to do it, baby. It was the letter of the law. We were Pharisee parents. This is the way we have to do it. And, and we didn't spank our kids. Now, we gave them love taps, but, I mean, I'm just saying, I mean, you know, we, we love tap them in Jesus' name. And we had time out. We had all this stuff, right? And I remember early on, like, you know, we were just trying to do our very best. We were young. You know, we had our little girl. And, and, and then we had our second. We had a, a boy. And here, you know what we learned? Here's what we learned. Like, okay, when you have these principles, some of which I'm sharing with you today. And you do your very best within that. But when it comes to some of the specific avenues of discipline, you've got to lean into the personality of your child, the circumstances that have brought about the disobedience. Because here's like what we've learned. Like with some of our kids, like a love tap was everything. Like that's all it took. And with some kids, you saw one of them, I'm not naming any names. It was like, yeah, come on over here with that. And early on, I'm like, wait a minute, but here in the manual, it says, this is what you have to do. And your kids, and my, you know, I mean, I had some strong-willed kids. They're like, yeah, bring that little love tapper right over here. We'll see who gets tapped. <laughs> I mean, I've been in some hostage situations with my kids, parents, any of you ever been? But somehow I was the hostage, right? <laughs> like, I don't know how that worked. And like, so like one of my kids, true story, one of my kids, one of my boys, okay, time out for him, the absolute worst thing on planet Earth. I mean, the absolute worst thing. Like he would have rather had a thousand love taps behind the woodshed than spend five minutes in timeout. And you know what? We had to adjust our discipline to where, oh, guess what? There's not a one size fits all. And I wrote a really good book on pairing and, parenting and discipline that I'll sell to you, but I wrote it before we had kids. And um, <laughs> now I got nothing to offer you other than some practical advice that go by God's word, because it's absolute. Your kids need teaching and they need training, but when the rubber meets the road, okay, when you're trying not to reward something that you don't want to see repeated and you're trying to set clear lines of consistency so that your kids adjust not to just what's tolerated, but what's communicated, right? You're trying to move them from rules to reason to relation. Just remember that within that, there are going to be a lot of dynamics uniquely to each of your children that you're going to have to adjust to, and that's what makes parenting so difficult. If we could just publish a manual, well, in this situation, here's what you do, it would be a piece of cake. Um, and so I just want to encourage you, don't grow weary in well-doing. Teach and train, teach and train, teach and train. And you know what? When you mess up, speak up. And uh, there's been plenty of times I've had to apologize to my kids. So, you know, dad didn't handle that situation perfectly. And you know what? 
that models something to your kids that they need to see as well. So, man, this is not, this is not a perfect science, but, but God's word gives us the pillars on which to build. And so that, that gives me the last thing here. And this is really more um, theological and just philosophical. It's more encouraging to you as we leave today. And um, I, I, just, I just want you to be encouraged in this. Listen, godly parenting, therefore, it's reflective and redemptive. All right. So teaching and training, teaching and training. We're trying to lean into some of the practical things we've talked about today that God's word highlights for us. But at the end of the day, listen to me very, very carefully. Here's, here's the goal of our parenting. It's that we would reflect the heavenly father who loves our kids more than we do. And we would lead our kids to him by the way that we parent them. You see, it's really in the context of the home that you most clearly see the gospel. It's in the relationship between the husband and the wife, right? It's, we've talked about that. It's in the relationship between the parent and the child. And ultimately parenting, I just want you to see this, is redemptive. It's meant to be redemptive and reflective of the fatherhood of God. Because isn't it a beautiful thing that throughout human history, those of us who've given our lives to King Jesus, we now come to God as our father. One who loves us unconditionally. One who's adopted us into his family. One who's forgiven us of our sin. One who, who has given us an inheritance that is beyond belief. You see, this, 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 this truth is most clearly seen to our kids in the way that we parent them. We communicate something to them about the fatherhood of God, his unconditional love, his forgiveness, right? His truth, his inheritance, right? Man, this is what's so beautiful. So just, so just keep in mind, moms and dads, listen to me. There's a lot of things we're going to get right and a lot of things we're going to get wrong. But at the end of the day, listen, it's our behavior. It's our conduct. It's our lives. It's our values, not our advice, not our execution that ultimately determines what our kids value most. And think about your parents, right? Isn't it true that more than just the execution of some of these things we're talking about today and more than, you know, just um, the advice they gave, like who they were meant something to you and means something to you. What they value. And that's why as parents, listen, we can get all of the particulars right and how we discipline and how we teach but if we ourselves don't love the Lord and live for the Lord, that will speak more loudly to our children than anything else. In other words, moms and dads, listen to me. Today, I encourage you to focus most on who you are, not what you need to do. Because who you are over the course of 18, 20, 22 years will speak more loudly to your children than what you do. What you do is important, but who you are is critical. That's why Proverbs 14, 26 says this, those who fear the Lord are secure and he will be a refuge for their children. Fear the Lord, walk with the Lord, love the Lord, value the Lord, value the work of the church, value serving, value giving, value living your life to make a difference for the Lord and reflect forward to your children what it looks like to live under the umbrella of a father who truly loves and who freely gives.
That's why, dads, let me just close out with a word to us. That's why the scriptures speaks to us. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Let me show you Colossians 3. Fathers, do not aggravate your children. Do you know why the New Testament mentions specifically fathers? Not because mothers aren't important. Of course they are. We've already talked about that some in this series. But it's because of the importance of what our parenting points forward to. Ultimately, parenting is reflective and redemptive. It points us forward to a father, a heavenly father who loves us, who forgives us, who welcomes us, who gives freely to us, who has an inheritance waiting for us. You see, this is, um, this is so critical. And this is not a political statement. This is, this is just real world. One of the greatest epidemics of our day is the number of homes where a father is not present. One in four, now just let this sink in, one in four children today do not have a father in the home. Way more than one in four may have a father around, but a father who's not involved. And there's a reason the scriptures talk to fathers. There's a reason, dads, that we take the lead on instruction and discipline that's not rooted in anger, that's redemptive, that's restoring, right? And, and as parents, moms and dads, that we, we seek to shepherd our kids in such a way that it's reflective, it's pointing forward to the heavenly father who loves and cares for our kids even more than we do. Because listen, our kids need parents. And let me, let me just say this, dads, as a means of encouragement, your children need you. Every single child at six years old, at the swimming pool, standing on the diving board, says, Dad, 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 look, Dad, look over here. Dad, watch me. Dad, look, Dad, that used to drive me crazy. No, I've been watching you for six years. I need a break, okay? I don't care about your little cannonball and your little splash, and you're going to come out of the water thinking you were Jaws or something. No, right? But Dad, 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 and they jump in the water and says, little splash, oh, buddy, wow! It was like a tidal wave, right? Man, those are precious moments. Do you know why that's so precious? Because kids need to know at the core of their being that they have a father who believes in them. They have a mother who believes in them. The parents who are for them. Parents who are moving them forward to a heavenly father who loves them, cares for them. And so dads, listen, our kids need instruction. Our kids need discipline. But you know what else they need? They need to hear from you that, that you love them. You're proud of them. You're for them. You're with them. Man, they need to know that you, you would move heaven and earth to be with them. Right? That you got their back no matter what. Ain't nobody going to mess with your kids. Right? Like... They need to know this because this involvement, encouragement, and example of a godly father is not only critical to your child's development, it's something that they need ultimately to see so that they better understand and grasp what it means that there's a heavenly father who loves them, cares for them, has their back, is for them. And um, that's one of the greatest joys of parenting. And that's why in Malachi 4, the prophet's point forward to the time of Christ in this way as one who is coming to turn the hearts of fathers to their children. 
One of the ways that the messianic rule is described, guess what? That fathers will have their hearts turned toward their children. All of this is designed to be reflective of God's love for us. And so I just want you to know, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as Savior, you don't know God as your Father, there is no greater need in your life. And here's the good news. God is not just this God, this man upstairs, this like powerful force. Listen, God is personal. God knows you. God knows the number of hairs on your head. God cares deeply for you. And God, through the work of Jesus to die in your place, to die for your sin, to take the wrath that you deserve, on himself can be not just God, he can be your father. And if you don't know him today, I'd love to introduce him to you today because your eternity hangs in the balance. And if you know God as your father, I want to encourage you, if you're a parent, a grandparent, hey, let's just keep, we're in this together, right? It's not easy, we're in this together. Let's keep teaching, let's keep training, let's keep making the most of car time and meal time. Let's keep leaning into a discipline that's, restorative, right, and reassuring, but more than anything else, hey, let's pray over our kids. Man, let's, let, let's model Christ-likeness before them. Who we are is more important than what we do. And let's, let's seek in the way that we shepherd them to point them forward to the God who loves them more than we do. Because that's what they need more than anything else. And I'll give you a last word here and we'll pray. But, oh man, in the sleepless nights, in the anxious days, There is no peace for a parent like the peace of knowing that our heavenly father loves our kids more than we do. And I can't tell you how many times I've just prayed to the Lord and asked him to protect my children, to change the hearts of my children, to convict my children, to encourage my children, because at the end of the day, God is the only one who can change the human heart. And therefore today, we we wanna end our service praying over our children, for our children, that God would work in their lives. And I just wanna encourage you today, if you're in a season with one of your kids, it's tough. Maybe they're rebellious, maybe they've lost their way, maybe there's just a strained relationship, man, you just keep praying for them because you have a heavenly father who loves them and who's there for them. And um, that is one of the things that gives us peace. Our God is, our God is good.